Ladies and gentlemen, episode 8, Men's Mental Health. It's just me on the intro today, as we've decided that, due to the serious and mature nature of this episode, we'd forgo the usual banter that you'd hear from us three at the start. Strap yourselves in as we deep dive into personal battles with mental health. This is a multifaceted issue, and it's difficult to approach because it's a sensitive topic. So I guess what we're going to try and set out to do in this episode is to try and describe the mental health landscape. Yes. And then punctuate it with some personal experiences in the hope that it will help people listening. Or it might even give you some pointers to help your friends or your loved ones who are suffering from mental health issues. We sort of want to go from start, not start to finish, literally, but we, you know, we want to talk through the stages, the phases, exactly, rather than being all over the shop. Yeah. So to kick it off, I think we should talk about so like the signs of depression, or I guess. What causes it or can cause it? I don't, I don't know about cause. It's how, how to, to identify it. Yeah, how yeah. to yeah, identify depression, like how it manifests. There are a lot of symptoms. And, and I don't have much experience in this, but... The symptoms vary other from people person to person. Uh, yeah. Everyone, everyone's affected differently, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. The way it manifests. There are a lot of, com- yeah, there are a lot of common ones. So, there? let me kick this off with you, George. Mm-hmm. So, and let me preface this by saying, George, this is just one i guess story Mm. of depression how it manifests i don't think everybody's exactly the same this is a personal thing yeah Mm. but it may provide an insight or you know someone might identify with what you went through so depression how did it manifest for you um how did you identify it because i believe i you've spoken to me before about it and said you've always had depression from a young age mm. probably didn't perhaps realize it until you're older mm. so go on to talk talk us through that yeah so as Lewis said a second ago it manifests differently in other people um when i was a young chap uh i was ill and i felt i, I don't really remember it too well because i think i was only about seven or eight uh, but i was really unwell i couldn't move i felt chronic pain I got taken to hospital for they were checking if I had appendicitis but uh, you know I didn't have appendicitis and I, I was in the hospital for about a week people kept checking on me and they came to the conclusion that there was no physical pain there was no uh, illness of the body it was an illness of the mind I suppose I was depressed things had happened in my life at a young age uh, that had affected me do you want to talk about what yeah, well, so my parents getting divorced because I think sorry just say and sorry to retrieve but I think for a lot of young people mm. especially the eldest child mm. yeah. uh, that is sometimes the trauma of the default divorce mm. is what causes or kicks off depression 100% so when you're a young person uh, like a child you can't process things in the same mind that an adult can process things. Um, you can't think about it logically, I suppose. They're just things that just happen to you. you, you, you your mind's not formed properly. So something happens, you just know that you're upset and you're angry. And those negative emotions manifest in, you know, in the way it did me. 
And I remember the doctor saying, I think he's just depressed. Uh, and I went back, I left the hospital, and I just kind of cracked on with my life. Now, it always, I had this anger in me, which you guys will probably remember examples of. And that these outbursts would, well, come out every now and then. But I just took this attitude as a child of, I'm okay, I'll just crack on with it, I'll just crack on with it. And in terms of cracking on with it, what do you mean? As in the feeling or... Yeah, so you just kind of suppress it, I suppose, and then you you try and rationalise it as something shit's happened to me. However, I'm going to deal with it this way. I'm going to pretend that it's not a problem or I'm going to deal with it with humour or things mm-hmm. like that. And then you get older and they start wearing you down and because you've not sought help for it we've not had counseling to try and deal with it you still kind of push it down pushing it down the problem with that is as you get older you get exposed to uh how can i put well you get exposed to drugs and alcohol don't you and social media and you start you know exploring ideas now if you if you are a person that is depressed or is anxious or suffers from anxiety rather you're going to you've what you've basically discovered is crutches to help deal with these problems but they don't actually help um and i just kept you know laboring under an illusion that i was fine um but yeah uh, <laughs> sorry i'm just trying to formulate this properly so then I found that when I got a girlfriend for the first time, and then you start sharing things in a way like intimately, you get close to people, they obviously start to notice patterns or behaviours in you that are not healthy. Um, and that's when I really started to then explore the possibility uh, that I was actually depressed. What what was uh, the conversation you had or what was the thought you had yeah, what or was what was the Google point? search you had? that you realised perhaps I've been depressed this whole time. And mm. what made you think you'd been depressed this whole time? Because you said you um, suppressed those feelings. Mm. Have Had you always felt down mm. and sad? I think it is that sort of... Uh, there's, there's that joke about the clown... Does Rorschach say yeah, that? Yeah, Rorschach's joke about the guy who feels depressed. He says, he goes to the doctor and he goes, oh, there's a great clown, Pagilitelli or something like that in town. He'll make you feel happy. And he goes, oh, no, I am the clown. And as I think you put on this facade of like, I'm happy, I take it easy, I'm carefree. Um, but then you get to a point where you, you just have to accept the facts laid in front of you. And for me, those facts were, I'm doing things that I thought would make me happy like getting a girlfriend finally you know what I mean or like uh, moving on to the next stages in your life achieving milestones yeah achieving milestones but finding no fulfillment along the way yeah and then you start running out of like uh, think oh fucking hell like I'm running out of pit stops here like, you're just riding like, a, a temporary high aren't you really yeah you think no, I think no, going well I think what you're trying to get at is that like you were saying, the things that you're told are meant to make you happy mm. don't actually make you happy, don't provide that fulfilment. 
Yes, fulfillment, exactly. And so this is a a problem, I think, that people stumble into where a lot of the time, you know, things are thrown around about being depressed or anxious, but it is this almost existential dread <laughs> that just kind of follows you in every facet of your life. Um, it affects your sleep. I could never sleep because I was up all night thinking, you know, if I was a happier person, I probably would have just been able to get to sleep with no worries. I portrayed myself as someone who had no worries, but all I ever did was worry. Best place to hide, beyond a smile. Exactly. And exactly. just to say, I wanted to go into about the sleep and how um, extraordinary sleeping patterns were because mm. they are insane. Like, would you would you not say they're version on insomnia in some cases? Oh, what my sleeping patterns before at the time. <laughs> so I'm talk. So I'm talking about the time in school. Got a history exam the next day. <laughs> yeah. I literally, this you used to be awake for twenty four hours mm. sometimes. Yeah, I literally could never do that. <laughs> It'd be impossible for me to achieve. Yeah, it was this weird paradox of I didn't ever want to go to bed, but then when I did go to bed, I never wanted to get out of bed, which is depression. Like, that is... Obviously, sometimes it manifests in other people differently. Some people sleep a lot because they don't ever want to get up. But, I, yeah, bordered on insomnia, I would be up for a long time. It took me ages <sighs> to fall asleep. And that is literally because you had thoughts. Mm. Ruminating, they call it. Lying in bed thinking of... Look, looking back, would you say that was an awful, awful thing to do? Uh, <laughs> the way you felt. Yeah, and it also... Uh, Sleep deprivation yeah. is one of the worst things known to man, mate. It's, it is mm. torture. That compounds the issue big time. It can exacerbate your emotions tenfold. Yeah, so then when you're tired, you are gonna you feel like you wake up and you're tired all the time. You have no motivation to do anything anyway. It what? was easy for me just to play playstation all the time or play on my pc all the time because it was just pure escapism distraction yeah why do you want to escape like if you feel like you need to escape all the time something you're in a place that you don't want to be (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, perfect um i don't know if you want to go into this but what sort of um thoughts were running through your head when you were spending these nights awake um they wouldn't They're not the typical things I think people would think of about like, oh, I want to kill myself or I hate my life. You just, you start almost constructing this fantasy world in your head where things are fine or things are happening the way you want them to happen. What if situations, probably. Yeah. Um, and but then conversely, sometimes you you know you're lamenting decisions that you've made or things that have happened to you or you know embarrassment and shame and or guilt. Um, this is super interesting. Yeah, because so it's like it's one between you. You think too much one way, so you have to think too much the other way. But you're not doing anything practical. You're just lying in bed. It's all happening in your mind. <laughs> you're off completely off balance. Yeah, your you? mind becomes a battlefield basically. Yeah, of yeah, like you don't know which way to go. Yeah, going back and forth. So then let's progress through this a little bit because I guess we're talking about when you were in, when you were a teenager, I would say that sort mm. of staying up late. Obviously it's been through, but like in school, man, like talking to you about sleeping and stuff was just insane. Mm. Then let's get to uni where I think 
it manifests it way itself in a different way. Mm. And that would be, I guess, drug and alcohol abuse. And you've touched on this already. Mm. So chronic. You found alcohol <laughs> and drugs. I suppose it would start at house parties, would probably be where it started. Big time. But it probably hit its peak at, at union. union just after. Yeah, freedom, mate, got to you. Yeah, that's the problem. Like freedom can be very dangerous to somebody who feels like that because people think of freedom as being in this, you know, I don't know, maybe this is just my opinion of it, but people think of freedom as this, like, liberating sense of, like, I'm stood on top of a hill, the sun is shining, and the whole world's, like, you know... Do what the fuck you want. Yeah. But then, (laughs) depressed people aren't thinking that. They're like, right, now I have got the perfect uh, environment to escape. That manifested as drugs and alcohol. I, I joked about this in a previous podcast, but, like, taking ecstasy... Uh, well, it makes you happy, doesn't it? You have no worries. So then I was taking ease all the time. I was drinking a lot and smoking a lot of weed to try and fall asleep. <laughs> when you're down, you get up. Yeah, exactly. Do you think your escapism from PlayStation and computer turned, like, as in the way you escaped, turned from computer games and PlayStation to drugs and alcohol? 100%. I even sold my PlayStation yeah, for, for so, DJ decks. I was so fucking disappointed. <laughs> and then I then sold the DJ decks for weed. So <clears throat> people will say that playing games all the time is unhealthy and doing anything too much is unhealthy. And if you're one of these people that just sits in the bedroom all the time playing games, yeah, you should probably you know reflect on whether that's a good thing or not. But pretty safe i would say <laughs> when you're out in the wild getting fucked up on illegal chemicals if it keeps you happy mate you know what i mean yeah it's good you can just exist some people go to them sort of, well people play video games because it helps them escape and relax it mm. keeps them you know level-headed triggers dopamine in your brain which yeah makes yeah. you feel good it's sort of a therapy in a way mate to play with people online you, you don't know all your friends yeah exactly you know, it's you know, social just, aspect yeah it helps some people so, to, yeah, to round this first section off, I would say that I'm sure there'll be people out there that are listening thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I do that, or I've been through that, or I'm current, you know, I'm currently doing that. What you got to, my advice would be is that it is a journey. You start off one way, and the, the road splits off, and you can either climb up a hill to happiness, or you can descend down into the depravity of depression. Which is easily done because of the uh, the path is a lot more tempting because it's easy, you know. Can and it if be you done without you knowing? You need strength to climb up the hill, but it's very easy to go running on down. Can you do it without knowing? Go downhill. I think people aren't necessarily aware that that's what they're doing, or people aren't aware that they're probably already at the down. Exactly. Hill. Sometimes like, it, it can be too late, and then you kind of wake up one day and you you're, think you're at bottom. Good golly, Miss Molly, what the fuck? Where yeah. am I? Well, I guess that sort of guess is a good segue into the second point we've got here about seeking help, counselling, mm. finding the motivation to climb. Mm. instead of sitting down in the depths yeah um because if i'm if i I don't know the stats but with my experience of speaking like people i speak to i think that potentially is the hardest part Mm. yes yeah definitely and it takes a very resilient person to bounce back Mm. 
and I, and I think a lot of people get stuck in that. And, they, and they might not be at the bottom. Mm. And there's certainly peaks and troughs in that bottom section. But I think people find it really difficult to get out the hill, get out the hole, I would say, sorry. Yeah. People find it very hard to, A, admit they have a problem of some sort, being mm. depression or drugs or alcohol, and B, asking for help. Definitely. <laughs> the asking for help part, like this is what's causing a massive issue. People aren't doing it, trying to handle it. And then they're at the mm. bottom, and then it just gets worse and worse, and then there's no way out sometimes well I think there isn't always a way out I think there's always a way out some people can't see that though that's the big yeah, problem yeah people can't and this is why George is a good person to to sort of talk about this topic because he's been to the dark side I'm back I've mm. never seen someone go so <laughs> low yeah mm. fucking polar opposites so I literally make it all the way <laughs> to the depths of the core of the earth yeah and, <laughs> and come back it's a, it's a crazy story and why people should probably, a lot of people should hear it. Been to hell and back. Because yeah. you don't hear so, many stories of people get right to the bottom to come back. So this is probably why this podcast might be me talking a lot. Uh, so if you find my voice annoying, I apologise. But <laughs> Mute it now. Yeah, but... Um, because, so you just, I want you to describe how deep down in the hole you were. Because, mm. I mean, you had nurses and doctors saying that you are on a verge of a psychosis, of psychosis. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I will probably tell this with some humour because that's the only way I've, I can deal with it. I always used to say that if you think you're at rock bottom, you've just not dig, dug deep enough. You can keep going and going and going. And I kept taking it too far and too far. And I was given plenty of opportunities to... Uh, start making a climb back up but I would forego it and I would think nah I can take this further I can take it further I was on a I don't know I don't know how you describe it but just just explain for the listeners mm. what was you doing day your day? worst days <laughs> your worst days yeah so uh, at you because I could explain it but you <laughs> you do it better than me so the worst the worst days you've ever had on this earth uh, the worst days were and I can only remember little bits of it. <clears throat> it was a, about, I think it was about a two-week bender where I would wake up and I would, the first thing I'd do was chug tequila, throw a load of Valium down my le- neck, rip a bong, and then get up. And I don't really know what happens after that. And then I would wake up again and it would be... Surprised you didn't pass out. Yeah, a different time of day. This would, I'd be, and so I'd be awake for couple days at a time just drinking smoking taking pills um and then i would pass out eventually i suppose and then i would wake up again and it might be 11 o'clock at night it might be 4 a.m in the morning it might might be the mid-afternoon i don't know it just i slept while i slept and i woke up and it's just that constantly going uh and there were times when i was lying on the bathroom floor like thinking fuck this is it I'm dying. This is it. I'm I'm dying. Like I'm fading away. Um, but I would wake up and I'd be like, instead of thinking that was horrible, I'm like, I could take it further. Yeah, it'd be alright. So my flatmate at the time had to well, he phoned my mum. I said, look, I'm really worried about him. Like he's just self-destructing. I suppose is the way to describe it. Um, and yeah, that's it. I just too far gone. I'd fucked my relationship up. I'd fucked up any chance of getting a degree um i'd made some very silly mistakes and 
that was it. Lost everything. And then so when I dropped out of uni and then I had nothing left, I just thought, I'm just going to kill myself. I'm just going to do it. Just suicide it is. Because at the time, that was the only option. And I remember something happened. I won't go into details what, but I thought, okay, this is it. This is... If I, I, I'd said to myself, if it got to this point, suicide was the only way out. But I thought, I had, since going back home, I had been, and getting a job and trying to like climb, make a little bit of a climb back up, I decided to go and see my doctor <laughs> instead. And I went, I ended up in hospital having mental health crisis team chatting to me. And that was the day I thought, right, I've got to make a change. <laughs> like, I'm at the bottom. I'm, co- I'm self-harming. This is another thing we'll get into. People self-harming. Uh, really sliced my leg open up pretty bad. Burning myself. And it was all just normal to me to do. And that is a massive issue. Like, if you think it's a reasonable thing to do that, you're in a bad place, brother. And uh, something you need to stop. So, obviously, I had a long way to climb, basically, is what I'm trying to illustrate there. Uh, Really off the rails, really, really bad. Seeing doctors, going to counselling, going to rehab sessions, and just none of it making any dent or progress, because I wasn't willing. I just thought, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just, you know. When you finally decided to get help, did you feel a sort of sense of immediate relief? Like, I am going to get better. I had started seeking help when I was 18. I went to the doctor and said that I felt... that I thought that I was depressed. And her question was, how much do you drink? Yes. And I told her, and she said, do you take your drugs? I said, yeah, I'd take ease on the weekend. We'll better get you a blood test. And then that was it, because my liver was fine. That was it. They they didn't give a toss. I went counselling at uni. I went to the doc. I thought I had ADHD. Maybe that maybe that was my problem. But my mind was just hyperactive, and if I could take some sort of medication, it would stop. But a year of waiting and having various sessions, they came to the conclusion no, I didn't have ADHD. I was just depressed. So then I went on to antidepressants. So alongside this downward spiral, I was getting help along the way. This is, you know, yeah. This might seem like some dissonance to it. I was getting help. I was talking to people. I had accepted I had a problem. But instead of then thinking, right, I need to make a change, it was like, I'll use it to justify my behavior. So I didn't want to make a change because I was comforting myself with these escapes various. Um, so I was getting help along the way, but none of it was sinking in. None of it was actually doing anything. I did find, however, that once I took it to the extremes, that's when the help for me became extreme. Yes. So at the start of uni, I was talking to the counsellor at uni and I spell out this existential crisis that I'm feeling. This is before I went off the rails. And she just shows me a picture of a bucket with a tap over it and says, the stress goes in this bucket and if it overflows, like you've got too much stress, you need to find a way to, to... to, to not have so much stress. And I just thought, what a fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what was your way of dealing with extra stress? Probably getting fucked up. Yeah, getting fucked out of your head. So, 
<clears throat> doesn't really work, does I, it? I just want to come back to Dan and the mm. I've never seen... I don't know, maybe it was... You were taking... Um, what is the actual drug of Xanax? Oh, is it Valium? Yeah, it's Valium. Yeah, it's Valium. And I've since um, watched videos of people talking about it, but mm. when you're in that desk, you come back from uni one time. No, I think that this was the final time you'd, you'd finished with uni. Mm. And you come to our local pub mm. and you were a zombie. Mm. <laughs> Literally, you like, it was like you had no emotion. Mm. You didn't smile. You could barely talk, really. Mm. And I think... I just wanted to highlight that, like, that's how far it had got. I remember being on holiday and you phoning me. He's yeah, like, you can explain. Can you, can you come and see me? I was fucking 100 odd miles away in Wales or somewhere. Mm. You know, and you were fucking miles away. And I was like, I can't, mate. I just, I can't, I can't be there. Mm. I just can't. Yeah, and you weren't in a good way then either, mate. You, you, no. you, you, you were fucking basically asking for help, and I couldn't be there. It's tricky though. Like you can't help everybody, and you can't just draw. Everyone else got their own lives going on. I can only give this from my point of view. It is interesting hearing it from your guys' perspective because obviously, in my mind, I'm fully cognizant of what I was doing and that I think I can remember stuff. But there's a lot of it I can't remember. Yeah, literally that <laughs> the whole period what you've just spoke about in your worst days. Um, I can't really really remember the timeline exact, but um, Lewis would have been it would have been the same time Lewis was talking about. It happened over a couple of months, mm. three months. Yeah, where you were, it was in the basement, and it was literally the basement. <laughs> it was like yeah. I guess yeah, you'd become disconnected from the world. Yeah, I became yeah fully reclusive and the problem is at university as well it's not just you mate it's everyone else everyone else is doing the same thing admittedly not all of them had problems I don't I don't believe that I don't think this yeah this, but you want to same, join in don't you not to the same extent this is no like, no but that's what I mean if your friends if your friends are coming around and getting fucked up you're going to get fucked yeah, up but, with them yeah but George was doing it sort of yeah, George, on his own George was going past past the point but on his own so he'd wake up you're saying tequila yeah. Valium mm. getting stoned the influence is always there however mm. I just think like my experience of you being at rock bottom was you, it was like you, you disassociate your disassociation like you, mm. you you weren't connected to the world if you your personality had gone mm. so talking to you there was no humor yeah no laughing there was just very somber you it's not even like you were sad though mm. you just had no emotion like <laughs> you weren't you, there mate like yeah you weren't there you just weren't there and i assume now it was just like the amount of drugs, alcohol in your system mm. that just maybe you, you, like you said, you can't remember it. Yeah. It's probably why because you weren't there. Yeah, in in mind and body, I've become dis completely disassociated um, because that for me that was the what I was trying to do uh, instead of dealing with it. It was like I'll dig deeper. I'll dig deeper. And yeah, eventually you get so deep that there's nothing left here. It's just escapism, isn't it, mate? It is, but at the <laughs> most extreme form. To the most extreme. Agreed. Form. Agreed. Um, I did. Yeah. It's um, like yeah. it's like um, talking to alcoholics, and whereas we would like have a session, mm. maybe a big session, alcoholics would have a session that would turn into 
three days of not knowing where the fuck they are, what they're doing, yeah. waking up after the on the fourth day thinking, what have I just done for three days? Mm. And I think it's a similar thing that you were in, is like you were doing all these different things. Mm. For that moment, it's like fucking time travel, mate. Your brain's <laughs> like, just flooded, isn't it? Yeah, Everything you've just, else you've just from gone from, yeah, from normality. Monday to Friday, and you, you don't know what the fuck you've done in between. Exactly. And people would say things to me like, uh, well, I won't give any too many examples, but they would say things that had happened, like if we went on a night out, for example, I yeah. wouldn't remember any of it. Do you remember doing this? No. I'm like, oh, no. They're like, you would sort of problem. crazy. That would be slightly concerning, wouldn't it? It is concerning because you think fucking out. And I guess that is like virtual psychosis. Like you're completely disassociated from reality. What is yeah. psychosis just for... Me and the listeners. Well, probably they, they know more than I do. Yeah, I think it is a detachment from reality. Is it a complete and utter mental, full, flat-out breakdown? Like, you, you just lose it. Mm. You lose it, lose it. I think I'm perhaps you were... It, when, when, we, when we look back, perhaps you were the verge in a psychosis. Your behaviour was more and more erratic. If, you, mm. if you'd carried on for not much longer, I think you would have been there, mate. I think you would have been there. Uh, it's an acute or chronic mental state marked by loss of contact with reality. Yeah, literally, this is you. Disorganized speech and behavior, and often hallucinations. Well, like you saw yeah, him in the I pub don't that think night. You I don't, well, you might have hallucinated, I don't know. I was but. always tripping, but not in the sense that I was like. I but but detachment from your reality, all I can say was that was like that summed, mm. I summed you up, I think. Yeah, that could have been permanent, mate. Imagine that shit. Mm. That, well, that would have not yeah. been cool. So it wasn't permanent. <laughs> So, you've started. You've spoke about the bounce back slightly. So, you spoke about the fact that you'd always gone through some therapy, you've seeked, sought help. Mm. What was the turning point where you thought the bounce back is on, the comeback's on? So, uh, and I don't think it was a quick process either. (laughs) No, it took a while to climb out of that pit. Um, It started with leaving uni for one. Uh, because I was I wasn't going to uni. I was just living a free life. Free. I'll always say she had too much free time. Too much free time. Uh, big time. That caused big problems. Yes. Uh, so I would just yeah spend all my time in the basement that was geared. At, you guys have been there. You know what the basement was yeah, like. It's yeah, it's a it, it was great. Kitchen with sofas and stuff. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, what I mean, fucking brick walls and carpet. It was like a living area. No, what I'm trying to get at is that it was fully geared up for oh. sessions. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just drink for me. Yeah, just drink for OJ and Lewis just and Lewis. Me. But me, I was doing all Bertie Bassett's mate. There was all sorts going on there. So it was a bad environment. There's no sunlight coming through. You're in LED lights all the time, and you're just away from the world in a basement. You know, which I think is quite symbolic, perhaps. Psychosis chamber. Yeah. That's yeah, what it should exactly. be called. <laughs> uh, so I just get getting fucked up. So I left there. I thought, right. And then when I was at home as yeah. well, then, uh, and with my family and going to work, I. We should. So family is one thing that will help support network and friends, you guys. Um, so I couldn't be doing all the crazy shit that I was doing because I started to have some responsibilities. I was rejoining society, basically. Um, I'd gone too far, I'd taken it too far. So then I started to rejoin slowly. Going to work, being a barman, I think that's saved my life big time. 
because I could leave my problems behind me and I could go to the bar and just be, you know. I, you hear a lot of chat and problems from other people. I was there for other people. Yeah. So they would come in and they would talk to me about stuff and I would have a chat and I'm not going to be like telling about all the depressing shit that's going on in my life. So in that way, it was escapism, but it was escapism in a healthy way. Like counselling. Like, it was like counselling. Yeah, it was counselling um, for it, me, personally. But even then, at the beginning, I was... Uh, I'd be on the bar, chatting to people, happy days, and then I'd go into the toilet and burn myself with my lighter. Like, it was... There's definitely this dissonance still between, like, ha- what was actually happening and then what was happening inside my mind. I started to see a really good doctor who... Um, you know, reevaluated my treatment plan of getting rid of sertraline, swapping it for metazapine, helping me sleep, actually listened to me when I talked to him instead of just trying to get me to stop doing drugs and things like that, you know. Healthy steps, baby steps, but healthy steps nonetheless. And then I just finally found the courage to stop doing drugs and stop drinking. I did actually go fully sober off everything apart from my prescribed medications for three months, I think it was. But the timeline's not that quick on that. No, well, for me, this is all just like... I, I, my it's memory a blur for me, sporadic, mate. It's a blur for me, really. But it was a long process. This probably like a, probably took a couple of years yes, until doctors that's what started to saying to me... When did you leave university, George? I don't know. My mum was asking me this earlier. I can't remember. How long have you been it working at the pub? I keep saying to people four years, five years, maybe... So, four or five years since you left uni, then? I think I was 21 or 22 when I left uni. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so, I, I, I just want to, like, clarify, because I, I think mm. for the listeners, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, it's just, it, it, it gives a good timeline for mm. recovery, I guess, is I think you finished uni, and all I can remember you finished uni is that you had some debt mm. that concerned you. mm I think you paid, or I got help paying that off, which was a bit of a relief. Mm. Yeah. How long until you went back to work when you finished uni? Uh, it wasn't too long, I don't think. And so would you say... And had, so I and needed the money, obviously, because I was £7 <laughs> off maxing a £1,750 overdraft. Oh. Right, it's not fun. Like, that's another thing that adds stress to your life. Like, I just had all these stresses in my life. That's why I was, I was inviting, you know, the devil to come and dance with me. Yeah. And then... Go, go, go. But if the devil asks you to dance, you better say never. Because <laughs> <laughs> a dance with the devil might last you forever. But it didn't last me forever because I started making positive life choices. So so the first one then, I guess we can... About positive life choices was going back to work. Yes, change but your environment. Routine. Get a routine. But what, what would you say to people who are in the depths and can't face going to work? Mm, that is a good question. It's hard for me to give advice on that, I think, because I'd done bar work before at the same pub, and so I had this idea of that, you know, that I was a good barman and that I was confident at doing it. And so I could go back and see... I had a, a place to retreat back to, I suppose, that felt familiar. So I guess if people don't have that, it is extremely difficult because finding a job is anxiety-inducing as fuck. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, 
But would you say... You need some sort of comfort with your work, don't you, if you feel you that do, way? You do. You need a safe space. So I, I think if you can just get a job where you can either... Basically, what you need to do is distract yourself from your life at, in your head. So for me, it was being a barman, talking to people, being customer-facing. Some people that I spoke to find relief from working like a warehouse job where they don't have to talk to anybody and they can just crack on, maybe listen to podcasts or whatever and just, you know, go to work. You don't need to go and be a high-flying executive and try and carve a career out for yourself. Like, you need to really strip it back to basics. Like, you need to accept that, you know, you might not achieve the fulfillment that you dreamt of before you went down this rabbit hole. And so you've just got to, like... Anything is fine. Like, any form of work is fine. Baby steps. Baby steps. You just got to take... Like OJ said, this was a long timeline. Like, yeah, I was going back to work. Yes, I start changed my medication. I stopped buying drugs off the dark web. That was another big thing. You know, but I was still going home and going in the shed. Setting my yes, fucking self-harming myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and it... I think it's taken you... must be three years to stop doing drugs. Oh, a big climb. Big climb. So, so originally you start. So you 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 went to work, which we can say is a a first point in the turnaround, mm. or not turnaround. I don't, I don't mean mean it like that, but I guess to some recovery on the yeah. climb. Uh, when was the point when you saw the really good doctor? Was that before or after work? Um, work? I think that was in combination of going back to work. Uh, he just. Yeah, so that was near the start. That was a big help. Because I'd seen so many doctors, so many counsellors. He was just solid fella. Yeah. And yeah. I think at this point, you hadn't stopped taking drugs altogether. But no, you had... I was still doing coke on a Friday night. And... Oh, well, yeah. I don't think you were that bad. Not that bad. It was reducing it. This is the thing. I was like, to say. That's what I was to say. First of all, I didn't have the access to it because I stopped going on the diet web because my account got hacked and I lost some Bitcoins. But it, that was good. That was the universe <laughs> slapping me down. You know what I mean? That DDoS attack happened for a reason. Um, but again, it's baby steps. So Rome wasn't built in a day. If you, the, the deeper down into the earth you dig, the longer it's going to take you to climb out. It's not easy. It takes a long time. And it takes a, a concentrated force of, of will to do these things and it's hard to find that uh, power or energy i suppose to do those things if you get into those states yeah <laughs> yeah which is interesting and so uh, what i was trying to say is that, that there were more there was more moderation to the drug use moderation is key right hey. Seeking, I also think one of the. Ma- I don't want to speak for you. I think a massive thing for you, and that we spoke about at the time, was actually seeing a therapist. Yes. Because there was, I think, and you've never even said these to you, said some of the issues spoken to your therapist, to your friends or family, which mm. I think probably was the. And again, I don't want to speak for you, but probably one of the. Um. High like the biggest points for recovery, I guess, Mm. because I guess you could get that off your chest. And I think it made you realize what the root cause Mm. was, I guess. Yeah. You can start, uh, you know, deconstructing it, 
And then once you re- deconstruct it, and you instead of it seeing it as this huge, great machine lumbering over you, and you see it as just its individual pieces, it's a lot less intimidating to deal with. Yeah. Um, they say a big problem is normally just a lot of small problems. You've got to divide and conquer. Together. Yeah, you suppose, do. You know? Don't set yourself a massive target saying, I'm going to fucking do this. Exactly. Because then you're hugely disappointed when you don't. Set little targets. Every day is a win. Mm. And you were saying before we got into this, um, in a bit we might actually scrap, <laughs> <laughs> um, that everybody should seek help from a clinician or an expert, whatever. Why do you think, because we just said therapy was a massive help for you. Mm. Why do you think what people prevents people from seeking help? I think it, people are prevented from seeking help because there's this misconception that it's just a load of bollocks. And I guess this speaks into like this masculinity sort of thing where you think going and talking about your feelings is a load of bollocks. And so I'm not going to do that. That's soft. I'm fine. I don't have a problem. So I think that's a big barrier to it. Therapy only works when you're ready to do it. So it's tricky because sometimes you you need to wait till you've made the mistakes before you can deal with you it. You need to want to change. Exactly. Like like I said, I'd sort therapy all the way through it. Um, the therapy I got was just wishy-washy bullshit. Like you need to really go for the tried and trusted method of counselling where you go and talk to somebody and get issues off your chest. But, you know, the drug therapy I had, like, it was just some girl, like, doing a master's degree who had, was trying to think of a new way to deal with, you know, and she's making me fill out, oh, record how many drugs you did this week. I'm like, I can't be fucked to go to uni. Why am I going to write down a piece of you? You're giving me homework. Nor you fucking remember, probably. No, exactly. And so then those, exp- those experiences put people off going because some people go and then they have negative experiences it's all about finding the right one just like finding the right doctor and so how would you make it a a positive experience what mindset do you have to be in to make therapy worthwhile do you need to be in a really bad place also Mm. Mm. it's an interesting i think from my personal perspective If you hadn't gone mm. fucking so far down the hole, would have you got out? Would you have ever thought, perhaps I need to change my ways, or would have you just carried on? Hmm. Would I have just carried on? Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you get up. That's the problem. This is the danger, and I think you think you're okay. What... You just convince yourself you're okay. You're Everything's okay. fine. It's okay not to feel okay. And in terms of if we're going to talk more broadly about men's mental health, then yeah, like, it is hard out there. It's not easy. It's not easy getting help. And you're going to feel discouraged when you get help and it's not the right one. But you just got to keep on swinging until eventually you hit. Like, there's no point giving up. It's like anything. Practice makes perfect. And the more you repeat a behavior the more it's going to become natural to you. So if you can feel comfortable going into an environment with, and try and limit your expectations. I think some people like go on antidepressants like I did, expecting it to be a quick fix, or they go to a counsellor and be expected to be given some divine um, knowledge that's just going to cure them straight away. Like That's not how it happens. You just need to set small goals. There is a way for everyone 
Mm. You've just got to find your way. Exactly. And you might have to try and fail a couple of times along the way. Yeah, I think what you really need to do, and this can be very difficult because if you're looking in the mirror, you might not exactly like what you see, but you need to take a hard look at yourself and think, what are the things that I can change? You know, staying up all night, stupid, don't do it. It's going to make you feel like shit. Drinking all the time, don't do it. Drug and alcohol abuse. Would you just be, say that's a good place to start? Identify the problems yeah, and try and eliminate them one by one. Be reflective. Yeah. You know, and don't beware of false prophets, I would say. Like, if you feel like you're depressed and anxious, don't do things that are going to compound that behavior. So don't uh, try and stay off social media. Yeah. Don't take drugs. Don't binge drink. Yeah. Exactly. If you know it's going to make you feel worse, don't don't do it. Exactly. Because it might feel good in the moment. That's always the case, isn't it? But it's a quick it's quick relief. But it's the answer is never at, at the bottom of an empty bottle, mate. Nah, I've I've been to the bottom of plenty. I've yet to find anything wrote on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Let alone an answer. But yeah. I think I'm just rambling. So OJ, keep you back on track here, boy. <laughs> no, um, I just think. When I'm when I've spoken to people with depression, because I've not seen many cases of the combat recovery that you have gone through. I want to know what mentality you have to be in to look yourself in the mirror and say I'm going to change. Because that I think that for someone who's depressed must be. Hella difficult. I think you got to be. In a, I think you have to be in a really bad place. You've got to be. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of people get into. Re- okay, so then even if okay, so then for those people who aren't in a bad place, mm. like the bottom of the, they're just like the middle of the hole, mm. <laughs> half a hole. You can't get yeah. half a hole, but yeah. <laughs> like, how can they sit there and go, right? I'm changing today. I, I think you have to be exceptionally resilient. Mm, to think, do that I think you have to accept as well that it is okay not to be okay if you are feeling not as yourself you know you should maybe look into these things rather than just convincing yourself it's just a, a one off if it's happening regular I, I just think try and that talk. the hardest the hardest part from an outside perspective for depressed people and like you were saying earlier you never cured of depression but getting your life back together or recovery mm. to some degree. I feel like the hardest part is getting, is the mentality, is that mentality of I'm going to make these yeah. changes, the, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, mm. I'm going to go to work because yeah. that made me feel better or I'm going to go to the gym and exercise and keep that exercise regime going. I'm going to stop all these behaviours. Mm. I'm going to seek therapy, seek help. Yeah. A lot of people sometimes have a purpose or a drive behind them, you know, they're doing it for themselves or for something or for someone. Did but you have I that, just George? Th- well, let me that mentality is just for me. I don't, I, I, th- I don't know if you could, I don't know if you can describe it, but yeah. h- how would you say to someone, if you were set, set here with someone depressed and they were telling you all these things, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, it's not going to make a difference, mm. blah, 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 what would you say to get into that man- mentality to change? Well, before I say what I would say to someone, I'm just going to try and illustrate this point before I make it. Now, we talked about the stats earlier about uh, you know young men committing suicide. In this country, the highest cause of death between eight for 18 to, I think, 26-year-olds 
is suicide. Now, that was the range in which I went off the rails, and it is also the range that I came back from. But that is not a story in which I tell for congratulations. It is a a harrowing warning, quite frankly, to people who are going down that path. Like, there is... You don't have to end it. That's the easy option. And so what I would say to somebody... This is something that helped me. Might sound a bit ridiculous to other people, but I came across this philosophy called nihilism, which I have mentioned briefly in the past episodes. Nihilism is a belief, and there's different types of nihilism, but I guess at its core, it is the fundamental belief that there is no meaning in the world. Life is without meaning. Uh, yeah, there is no meaning. Do you make your own meaning? Well, I said to myself, right, okay, instead of just accepting the meaningless and the, the and just embracing the void of depression and depravity, got to start to work backwards, because don't forget, you're in a hole, so you need to be going up. So, fine, accept the fact, yeah, you know what, nothing means anything. And when nothing means anything, you've got nothing to worry about. So then let's try work backwards from that. Uh mentality so instead of like you know reinforcing your behaviors and your mentality by doing things that keep pushing you down just accept that yeah shit's happened to you there's trauma in your life there have been people that have gone through things far worse than i you know but just just think that you know what it doesn't mean a thing it don't matter just Come on. The goal is to survive. It's so hard to talk about. Yeah. It's so hard to articulate. It is hard to articulate. It, it, it's hard to put into words. It's something that bounces around my head all the time, but it's hard to articulate to people. But what I would say to you, listener, is that you just need to take a moment to take stock of your situation. Look around. If you look around and you find yourself in a dark place, you need to work towards the light. Now, that climb is going to be strenuous, it's going to be difficult, and how that manifests is going to be different for everybody. But any, I think every human being can, will know, although it might be difficult to admit, that you are doing things that are making you feel worse. And you will justify those behaviours by saying, well, this happened to me. But when you keep blaming everything you do on something that's happened to you, you end up making mistakes that you've only got yourself to blame for. It's it's not a permanent excuse, is it? No, exactly. So the quicker you can accept the... uh, I guess the... The fault in your ways. Yeah, the fault in your ways and the fact that, yeah, you know what, your depression might never, ever go away. It probably won't go away. It's something that will always be following you, you know. And I guess you could try to personify that as like the devil, you know, whispering in the ear. But you can put some distance between you and the devil and his whisper will not be so loud. 
and the quieter he gets, the easier it is to make positive choices in your life. So that is the bounce back. Um, what's life like on the other side? Yeah. Now, it's pretty good. <laughs> now, so in the timeline, you moderated drugs for a bit. I think you were still smoking weed for maybe a couple of years. Mm. It's about a year ago, or before lockdown, maybe mm. two years, maybe that you stopped drugs altogether, mm-hmm. and in fact, uh, stopped drinking for a fair bit. Mm. I still drink now, but not to the you know, same extent. I don't abuse it. Yeah, because it's the key word. Mm. Um, do you still have episodic or whatever you want to call depressive events? Like, do you still have times when you're really, really down? Do you have times where, and I think you do have times where he's tempted Mm. to want to get back to like the drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. The temptation's always there. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you stop that, prevent that temptation? Uh, how do you deal with um, depressive method? episodes? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so and and how much better do you feel now than mm. you did five years ago? Well, I'll start with that bit first. How much better do I feel now than five years ago? A lot better. Like, I feel like... Uh, I hate... To, I don't know. It's hard to not put it in religious sort of, you know, context. But then you do feel like you're kind of reborn from your great struggle. Like you're kind of born in it. I'm not saying I'm religious, by the way. I'm not talking about any doctrine specifically. But I feel that, I, well, you know, Dante's Inferno about going to the different circles of hell to try and find his wife. I wasn't trying to find my wife. I was just trying to save my own soul. And so after going through that, those hard lessons that you learn, it does make you a stronger person. However, you can learn these lessons without having to go to hell, I will add. You don't have to do those things. Because that strength was in you the whole time. You just didn't know it. And so now, like life afterwards, after I've been to that place, although there's the temptation to dabble again, like now when I'm around drugs, I feel anxious. Like My anxiety of doing them is high to the point where I... Don't make any plans that involve going to raves or nightclubs or festivals, really. And your whole mindset changes because the further you go... You know where it can take you. Exactly. And you're reminded of like, fucking hell, actually, no, that's not somewhere that I want to go. Makes you a stronger person. And that's the reward, really, for... You know, there's this sense of helplessness, I suppose, when you're depressed, but there is a reward waiting for you at the end, and that is, uh, you know, growth into, you know, a decent person. From my own mental perspective, I'm talking about, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that think I'm a cunt. There's plenty of people that like me. I don't know. There's people in between. But what I mean is, like, inside my own head... I can now comfortably uh, think, okay, all right, I'm doing something right. And the longer you continue that, the better it feels and the less the temptation is, or the the easier it is to combat the depressive episodes because each day that goes by, your strength builds and builds and builds. It's a sort of self-gratitude, isn't it? 
Like, exactly. you, I guess you thank yourself, really. Yeah. And every time you avoid a nasty situation, potentially, you're like, yeah, I did good there. Exactly. Because I know how where it can go and how it can how it can go very quickly. Mm. You've got to be kind to yourself. Yes, you do. You know, your mind, body, and soul are... Every day's know, a win still. Exactly, Liz. Every day is a win. Is every day a battle still, though? Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> every day is a battle, but and you've got to <laughs> think the only... You know, you win the war, I suppose, when you die. Yeah. Right. The battle's never finished, mate. Exactly. But if you want to, you know, win a war quickly, you've got to lose it. But I don't... Or, sorry, if you want a war to be over quickly, the quick... Fucking hell, I'm absolutely butchering this. It's a good job I do the editing. The only way to end a war quickly is to lose it. Yes. Look at Ukraine, for example. It'd be... Less people would have died if Ukraine just surrendered. But they don't want to surrender. And they shouldn't have to surrender. No. They're going to keep making it fucking difficult for Russia. You know, and so if... You know, you just need to contextualize these things in events around the world. You know, do some reading about history or other people's experiences of, you know, combating certain things. See how other people do it. I find watching TV series helps because... There are characters on there like True Detective, Russ Cole, talking about nihilism, that can spur you on to greater philosophical thinkings. So, if, you know, spending all my time playing games or for other people spending all their time on social media, just do some, some healthy things. Okay, right. So let's wrap it up. For some people, that might have been a bit of an incoherent rambling of something quite, you know, a sad tale. But I want it to serve as a cautionary tale that will hopefully motivate people um, or help people. And I'm just going to uh, re recap everything with five points that I think will help going forward. And this doesn't just have to be about depression. It can be any mental illness, I think. But anxiety and depression are the two big killers. And we've got to keep fighting. So... Get ahead of it, number one. If you feel like you're slipping down a path or you feel like you have a disposition to feel in a certain way, start making, you know, preparations for the battle, I suppose you could say it as. Yeah. Okay? Start taking action. Start taking some action. Because the longer you idle and wait, the, you know, the more time your enemy has, you know, grows its forces. Number two, talk about it. It's difficult. It's really difficult, especially for blokes. Well, I'm sure it is for women, but obviously in the discourse lately, it, it you know, one of the big topics is men not wanting to talk about it. Problem shared is a problem halved. Although I will stress that this needs to be done in a constructive environment. Find safe places that you can talk about it. There are a couple... I find Reddit is a better place to be doing these sorts of things because it is anonymous. And there are certain groups such as True Off My Chest where people can get things off their chest in an environment where they're not going to be judged. And there's a lot of support there waiting for them. If you're just posting a Facebook status saying, I feel depressed today, it's unfortunately going to invite disdain from other people and people are going to, you know, critique it because that's just what these places are like. Just invite nosy people. Are you okay? What's up? Yeah, it does. There are a lot of we, there are a lot of people out there that won't 
give a fuck. Some people that you'll think that your friends maybe they'll look at you and just think, you know, dismiss it. Those people ain't your friends, so they're not the best people to be discussing it with. Even if you have one a very, very close, good best friend, talk to them. Yeah, talk to them. You confide know. in them. Don't talk to everyone. Yeah. Talk to someone really you trust. 100% Lewis. All the Quality way. over quantity. Yeah. Um, especially when you're at school, you know, it's a difficult environment. So, you know, yeah, choose, choose your comrades wisely. Um, start moderating some life choices. You know, obviously drink, drink and drugs are the, the main topic of contention, but you know, I talked about that how work helped me, but there's plenty of people who are working jobs that are exacerbating their problems. You know, you need to find something else, something where you feel safe, you know, mentally to exist. Uh, relationships as well. Relationships can be a big, like romantic relationships can be a big help for people because they are someone you can confide in. But equally, it can be very dangerous. You can become reliant on these people for your happiness. That is a recipe for disaster. Do not put too much, you know, hope in these people. You've got to search wider, uh, preferably uh, clinicians, psychologists, therapists, counsellors. And a little quote I like is, if you find yourself going through hell, you've got to keep going. Because hell is not a nice place to stay, so you know don't don't be defeated by the horrors that you may be facing. You know, use them to fuel your conviction to defeat them. There's a way out in there. Always, you've just you have you've just got to find it. Exactly, it can be down a convoluted, fucking strange, twisty path, but there's always an ending. There's always a means to an end. And you'll be a stronger person at the end of it. And you will gain the experience and the knowledge and the tools to, you know, you become a veteran. You know, young people, as much as we like to think that we know everything, we, we don't know anything. And each life experience, good or bad, will shape you into a veteran of life. And just to, you know, my final point to conclude it is... You've only lost the battle when it's all said and done and it's over. If you wake up and you're still breathing, you are still in the fight. It is not over yet. And I don't want people to view that as a encouragement of suicide. Quite the opposite. The goal is to go for as long as possible. And suicide is a temporary it's a per- <clears throat> suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem and you might think from an existential point of view depression is not a temporary problem but its threat to you is temporary because you can master of it it will pass yeah. I, I have a saying which I quite like it's always alright in the end and if it's not alright it's not the end that is I Spot like that on. one, mate. Yeah, that is a good one. I do like it. Yeah, it has a good sense of meaning, mate. Mm. You, know, you can you can be in a fucking hell of a bad place, but there's always a path out. 
like I say, you've just got to find that path. It's different for everyone. Mm. You know, you do have to make mistakes, unfortunately, to learn. And sometimes you do have to make mistakes to realise you need to fucking sort of get your act together a bit. But in doing so, you will be a better person in the long run. Might take months, weeks, years, but you can do it. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, not every episode is going to be lose questions and funny stories. But this is a serious issue that plagues our society. Close Close to home, isn't it, for everyone? Close to home. And so, yeah, it's okay. It's all going to be okay. It is in the end, mate. Just got to fucking get there. Just keep swimming, mate. Just keep swimming. Yep, 100%. (laughs) Inspirational. And if we can do it, you can do it too. So, thanks for listening. Take it easy, guys. See you on the next one, boys. Bye.